Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. When the storms hit, where will your roots grip? When the storms hit, where will your roots grip? We never really find out what's inside of us until we hit a bad patch, bad spell, rough road, bad storm. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable, and a parable is simply an illustration or a, some type of analogy that he's going to use to describe a deeper spiritual truth. So something that's very practical to the listener, that has a point a parable was a very common teaching back all the way in the Jewish culture. It would be something that they really liked, so it was inviting. So it's really kind of stimulating. Maybe more and less kind of like a modern-day movie, would we think? It's very stimulating. Captivates your attention. But it's interesting because when Jesus is going to give this parable, he's going to give a teaching. There's a crowd that gets it, and there's a crowd that doesn't. And he doesn't even explain it to the ones that doesn't get it. But he pulls his followers that are really close to him off and says, let me explain to you. And that's where we're going to pick up the story of the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, verse 19. And when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, the evil one is um, downplayed today because we, we just don't want to call a spade for a spade sometimes. Scripture teaches us that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. There's certain things you just don't have to question if it's evil or not, right? Like killing, that's just evil. Beating up somebody, that's just evil. Bullying, that's just evil, right? But there's these subtle evils that the evil one, you think it, it just for a minute, doesn't matter, I don't know where you stand on this type of uh, teaching or topics, but just to consider for a second, evil being true, do you think there is going to be some form of deception or disguise or decoy. Or you think they're just going to come out and this is exactly what's evil. No, there's going to be a strategy to try to get to distract us. It starts so subtle. Scripture teaches us that Satan disguised himself as like an angel of light. As this nice little fluffy furry thing. Just like the movies, you know, like the person looks all enticed and later you find out. You're like, whoa, kind of crazy. The evil one right here comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So there's great response. Yes, I love what I'm hearing. I am in. I'm going to go. You ever had anybody that says they're going to commit to something and doesn't show up anymore? Come on. I don't know anybody like that. I've never done anything like that. Yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while, and when tribulation, storms, or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As we continue, for what was sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Today's message is extremely deep to me. It's extremely personal because I've not only lived this type of interaction, but I've seen this interaction happen way too often. 
Lecrae had a CD. If you don't know who Lecrae is, he's a big, huge, popular artist. And um, big, huge, popular artist. Can I think of any big words to describe? And he had a CD called After the Music Stops. And the premise was this, that it doesn't matter about the show or the event or just a Sunday morning. It really doesn't. That's part of it. It's not the end game. It doesn't our greatest joy to come to the concert and then now not apply anything. So he came out the CD called After the Music Stops. And that question captivated me. It was something I was thinking about at the same time. After the music stops, what's next? Our story, we, uh, we traveled around for about 10 years uh, with an organization called Sounds Good, which we still have, and we're working on other projects continue this. But what we would do is we would go around and share the good news. Matthew 13, we would tell and share the word into people's hearts and they would respond in some way, shape, or form. And over the course of 10 years and probably 600 plus shows, we saw 10,000 people say, I want Jesus, I'm in. On average, 80% of the crowd would come up front and be like, yes, I'm in. But something was crazy and startling because we would go to a city and we'd see 200 kids at a show. 80% of the crowd respond to Jesus and then come back the next year and see 200 kids at a show and 80% of the crowd respond to Jesus and they would be all new faces. And that happened year one, happened year two, happened year three, happened year four. And it haunted me because after the music stops, what's next? Where are these people going? Did they all move? 80% said they wanted in. And you see that in scripture a lot. You see that in any type of business a lot. People say they're really in, but then something happens and a little bit of bump in the road and then there's something that entices you and you want to go in a different direction. But you know what? This is, the stakes are too high when we talk about eternity. And so I actually took a retreat. We had a team that was praying for us and we asked this question. We can't keep doing this. I felt like we were kind of letting people down without a great follow-up system. So cool, we can get everyone excited for a moment and an emotional experience, but so can the Super Bowl. But not everybody goes and plays football or not everybody starts going to work out or something. It's not like, it's like carries on a movement because it wasn't about a moment. It would be about a movement. And I asked prayers, I, I prayed to God things like this, like, God, what is on your heart? And he led, hey, my people, I don't wanna see them just in a moment. I don't wanna see them just get glimpses and flashes of me. I want them to have a different root system so that when storms come, they can actually be connected in Jesus. And that's what this morning's all about. This morning's all about not the hand-raised experience. This morning's all about taking our lives from a spiritual orphan over here and then connecting us in the family of God, rooting us together with each other. And it's hard, it's difficult. Growth hurts, it's challenging. Being stretched and pruned and stuff's difficult. Jesus says, not just take our roots, but takes our whole lives and gives us a new root system. This morning, a truth that we must recognize is this. You are rooted in good soil or bad soil. I mean, roots produce fruits. It's not, if you're not getting what you want, if you're not happy with yourselves, we can't deceive ourselves. I can't get super shredded if I'm eating pizza every night and Sour Patch Kids. This is not gonna happen. You might be like Rhett that has just the 1% uh, body fat and your metabolism is so high, but that's just not like everybody I know. Most people I know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough grind. It's a tough grind. It's a tough grind. People don't know this, but I, I, uh, I can fluctuate like 30 pounds a little. I put on 30 pounds in one year and I told somebody that and they were like, what? 
30 pounds? Yeah, right, man, you're so skinny. I was like, 30 pounds is a pretty significant jump for me in one year. And it was, it, it, it was spelled kind of like A-R-B-Y apostrophe S. And it was just anything, you name it. I was working, you know, and just, yeah, I'll take it. You know, whenever guys go out for lunch, give me, hey, I got five. Yeah, bring me back, whatever. Bring me back five from the dollar menu. And it, it affects. And I can't deceive myself thinking that what I'm putting in or where I'm drawing life from is not going to come on the outside. We reproduce what we are. We reproduce what we are. We reproduce what we are. And this is tough. This is challenging. Because our bad roots, our roots filled with greed, our roots are filled with pride, our roots are lead to fruits of us hating and, and, and insecure and doubting. We have roots of stability and comfort. We have roots that long to go to the bar and just get drunk. We have roots that want to hang out and make fun of other people. And that's kind of why we're friends is because we're not like them. We have all these roots that are just wicked. They're evil. And they're not from God. They are not from God. They're bad roots. They're bad fruits. This morning we can really talk about new roots that are roots that are in Jesus. This, the type of soil he wants us in, the good soil, which is roots that are filled with love, roots that are filled with forgiveness, roots that are giving, roots that are loving, roots that are happiness beyond what anything we get in this world or any type of power, roots that are selfless, they serve others and they sacrifice, roots that are on mission and they love people and they invest in somebody else more than themselves. You'll never lose when you invest in people a new type of root system. Because the key word this morning is disciple. That's it, disciple. Not Pattengale Middle School, not a fan, not a follower for a moment, but a disciple. We have the subconscious view of Christianity just like a program or a weight loss thing. When really it's, it's about an allegiance. It's about a marriage. It's about losing to get it's about giving up all ownership and rights, and you're a disciple. And disciple means a student or a pupil. It would be like a father and son hanging out and growing and learning together, experiencing it and teaching on the fly. It'd be like a carpenter. You're really close with your apprentice. For any Star Wars people, it'd be like a Padawan rolling with the Jedi. A disciple. Disciples where there's close proximity, they're doing life together. There's the head and heart that are connected. There's a growth daily. I use this analogy where if Michael Jordan showed up to a playground park for the first time ever and played basketball and then said, I love this sport so much. It's the best sport I've ever played. I want to be the greatest basketball player ever. And if he never picked up another basketball again, would he be the greatest basketball player ever? Well, of course not. It sounds so silly. It even potentially degrades your intelligence of such a low-level analogy, parable. But here is the deeper truth. That's exactly what we do with Jesus all the time. God, I wanted everything you said you'd give me, but I'm not showing up at the court anymore. I'm not going to show up to practice. I don't want to really get rooted. I don't want, like, at all. Like, can't you just kind of just clean me every once in a while? And are you really want everything of me? Like, are you sure? I mean, the streets is tough. I mean... And we kind of justify ourselves all the way. We justify, we justify, we justify. We reason and we rationalize what is going on. It's not about how you start. John Wooden has a quote. It's not so important who starts the game, but it's who finishes it. This morning I pray and I see people here that aren't starters. You guys are finishers. 
And you don't feel like a finisher because you've, get, taken some, you've taken some L's, you've taken some losses. Get back up. Let's go. Let's prune. Just gonna let your garden die? No way. I'm not gonna let our lives die. We're gonna get back up. Someone here, you gotta get back up. Someone here, you need to start the game. You need to get in the game. And somebody here, you need to not grow weary in doing good. Because you've been really good. You're really rooted, but you're starting to get that kind of like, again, I look at these other people over here. They look like they're enjoying more, but God's been causing me to sacrifice more or give more. It's a blessing. Nehemiah said, I can't come down. I'm doing a good work. You can't come down. You're doing a good work. Don't get weary. The question I hope that we all ask as we really uh, introspect today or, you know, just kind of do some self-examination is, am I a disciple or am I a fan? And there's freedom today. If you just came for your first time, you're like, wow, this is pretty serious. This is kind of like, I don't know, get in or get out. Where's your bus pass? No, there's freedom. But the difference is, is how long are you going to be on the fence? I mean, if you're riding on the fence forever, I mean, it's probably going to hurt your leg, right? I mean, something's going to hurt, right? <laughs> oh, it's going to hurt. Get off the fence. Get in or get out. And if you've just seen the fence for the first time, hey, praise God, this is a good thing. You're welcome. You're free. You belong here no matter your race, your background, where you come from. Man, we are broken people that are on this journey just like you. And we got a tough story as well. But there's some people here that they've been playing the fan thing for a while. And Jesus never said, come be a fan. In fact, a lot of times what he'd show was there would be judgment. There would be separation. And he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Like, just get away. You, you weren't about me. You tried to do it your way or you just wanted a piece of me. Because when you really see him for who he is, it's not a have to. It's I get to. I want to. I love this sport. I love him. When you let him really own your heart, he's actually the only one that deserves to own your heart, and then he can rewrite everything because he's worth your heart. He's worth our heart. He's worth my heart. And we get freed. So disciple is a normative thing, and that term means it should be normal for somebody that says, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, does that mean you'll be perfect? You'll be some holy roller? I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I got called a holy roller a bunch. You're a holy roller. I was like, what the, what is that? Holy roller. And I found out, I guess, people used to roll down the aisles. Now, people had church experience that I just had nothing. I, had, I don't have a church experience. I had one time as a kid, I went to this musty basement with my grandma, and they, they made me read these things and kind of memorize, and we we're going to go play dodgeball with balls that were, like, from 1904. And I just remember thinking, I don't know what happened, but I'm so happy we're out. You know, and that's, and it was the great people. I'm sure it was amazing, but that was like my church experience. And I remember playing basketball at 14 at Mount Hope one time. And then that, that's just kind of like it. God was there. We talk about him, but there wasn't a true deep church experience. So when I came and saw Jesus for who he was, I didn't fall in love with the church. I fell in love with Jesus. And then I fell in love with this bride. And so when I fell in love with Jesus, holy roller, they had no frame of reference for me. So people were making jokes or mocking. I'm like, man, you must not know Jesus. You must have met some type of religious experience that you thought was Jesus. That's not Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. Jesus is awesome. He's the most hated, debated, and celebrated person ever. And at the very least, at the very least, man, how can't, uh, man, I don't know anybody better. So, you know, yeah, yeah. When people would follow Jesus, 
I would see an experience happen just for a moment and then kids walk away. Or I would see people say, all right, here's your checklist of everything you have to do. So it's kind of like the sin police. So someone would come and say, hey, well, I'm living with my, you know, my girlfriend and I've been struggling, smoking, and drinking. And the person's like, all right, you got to stop, 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 do this, do this. Man, that is not like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gentle and kind. It's not just checklist. It's not behavior modification. It's organic. And for each one of us, it's different. But we all, as he's holy and we're letting him have our whole lives, it starts to change us as we abide in him. So please hear what Get Rooted is this morning. Because storms will come. It's not all rosy. It's not all good. It's not all health. And it's not all wealth. And a lot of times that's why we've walked away from Jesus. Because when we hit a type of a storm, and to define a storm this morning, I'm not talking about the snow, and I'm not talking about the rain. I'm talking about when your boss at work annoys the living snot out of you. I'm talking about when your coworker is so annoying, and you just want to ninja kick them in the face. I'm talking about when your kids don't listen, and you're so aggravated. And I'm talking about something also super deep, like the storms when you lose somebody you love so deeply. When somebody betrays you and walks away from you and you find yourself in depression and you're fighting and you're battling, you start to ask questions like, I thought, if God's so good, why am I going through this? I thought he promised it would all go away. Storms will come. He just promised that he's the one that overcame them all. Now, you may not be in a storm today, but there's three types of parts of the storm sequence. There's the calm before the storm. Then there's the storm. And then there's the aftermath. And the aftermath is either we grow or we die. We either get stronger or we die. If you think back to everything that you faced in conflict, you've either succumbed to the pressures, I've succumbed to the pressures, or we have succumbed to the pressures, and then we started to live a lie because the storm we felt was just too great. And then you've watched people that succeed. You can turn it on any documentary or um, read any autobiography. These people all face storms. It's not that they didn't face storms. It's just how they handled adversity that changed them. I love a quote. It says, adversity causes weak men to break and strong men to break records. The storm will be inevitable. The storm will always happen for all of us. And that's just the brutal facts of reality on this side of eternity, this side. And just like a plant, when a storm comes, we can grow stronger, our roots, and we can depend and grow into each other and start to really dig down because we will face them daily. And we aren't called to be orphans or a Rambo or a Lone Ranger Christian. So that's the cool thing. And in America, we're taught the very opposite. Put on your best face. I, not a lot of people typically post their worst thing in the day on Facebook. I mean, there's some people that that's actually how you, that's just what you do, but that's the mi- minority. Most people, pass, I post my best stuff of the day. And that's, kind of how we view Jesus. But Jesus wants to rip that off this morning. He wants you to die. Die to self. Die to your expectations. Die to what you don't understand. And he wants to give you new things. So when the storms come, root your life in Jesus. Because if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. When the storms come, root your life in Jesus. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Jesus overcame every storm forever. This is where the power lies. Not in the results on this planet, but the posture that we have in our hearts because we have peace because this is not our home. It doesn't all reconcile here. 
Not every person gets healed here. Not every person gets all the money and the dreams they wanted. There's somebody right now in a third world country that's starving that always just wanted to be in the NBA that never will. That's not Debbie Downer. That's just the truth. Why are we deceiving ourselves and deceiving others? Fall in love with Jesus. And you know what you see with Jesus? He actually willingly sacrificed his life for others. He willingly gave his life for others. His root system was beyond this planet because he fell in love with the Father's mission as he was fully God, fully man. And as we fall in love with him and give him our life, then now we, it's just, things are different. The playing field's different because it is always and always will be Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's how we overcome the storm. It's just Jesus. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not some calculus program. It's just Jesus. And so what happened is, for the epidemic we saw at concerts, that after the music stops, we developed a thing called Get Rooted. And we started shifting our focus from just doing a, an event moment, and we started helping organizations that afterwards, all these kids would come to a, an event, and then we would help them get plugged in to local leaders that they could grow. And then just to kind of give you some statistics of what that looked like, we'd have 500 people, let's say, come to an event. 80% of people would respond. 150 would come back to the Get Rooted night. So 500, 150. And then about a year later, 50 of those people would still be connected. If we fell in love with the wrong metric, we would have think that success looked like the 500 and the 400 people coming up front. I want you to shift the wind today. Fall in love with the people that are going to go through junk with you, that are going to recognize that, you know what, I might not be perfect, but I'm going to show up in the gym. I'm going to be rooted. I'm going to be rooted. Because Jesus, he understood that, that he realized that it would be a few that he had to invest in that could change the world. He had masses. He had his 12. He had three really close favorite. Then he had one-on-one interactions. That's what I love about him. Because when you're struggling and you're so depressed, he one-on-one shows up to you. He's there all the time. When the adulterous woman was feeling like, okay, wow, shame, guilt, I'm done, I'm about to die, he just draws a line in the sand. He says, if you don't, anyone without sin here, you can start throwing the rocks. But if you got sin, game on. People walk, he left. Why? Because he calibrated everything. If anything, if anyone who really hates Jesus is those with power, because he starts to lower them, the lowly love him. They're like, this is awesome, he pulls me higher. That's why probably he started recruiting the outcasts. And that's why most people, when they start going through something, they recognize they can't be their savior. That's when they actually turn in love and start to fall in love with Jesus. That's pretty cool. The theme for Get Rooted is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. This is us today. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, this receiving of a gift, grace that we don't earn, this is hard. I still am, am trying to understand this today because everything in life I have to earn or work for. But I don't have to earn or work for Jesus. He just gave himself and everything that he has. His righteousness is now my righteousness. His score is now my score. So as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Not in your own power, in his roots, rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding this is why you're, this, this is so cool. Abounding in thanksgiving. I've received grace. I have new life. I'm walking it out. I'm learning. I'm an apprentice. I'm studying head and heart are fully engaged. The logic, the emotion, 
And I'm so grateful for that. Most days, if I just stop and I reflect on how good God's been to me, not on my circumstances, because my circumstances are based on what's happening. Many times what I feel is I'll feel just overwhelmingly gratitude and thanksgiving because of what he's done. I'm thankful what he's done. And then as we started going around to different churches in the nation, we started training them. We'd get rooted. And we served them. And it was really cool. There's this kid who sat and listened to this type of thing, and he didn't want to just live it for a moment. He just needed something to remind him. So he went and got a get rooted tattoo on his arm. I mean, this dude started living. He's like, okay, I'm on. And he sent me this. Just met him one time. Hung out with him. Just the one week. But he recognized there's a pattern. If I don't really change my root system, it's just going to keep producing the bad fruit. If I keep eating pizza, it's just I'm not going to get the six-pack. God so desperately wants you to change your root system today. So we have a thing called the roots, and that's what we're going to be doing here. And the roots are a way of us to inward and outwardly apply. So we apply teaching. We got seven roots. And what they are is, it's simple. It's to understand salvation. It's to be rooted in the source of life. It's to be connected in community here. It's to go live that, to serve and share this great gift we have with others. And then it's to constantly keep tending our garden in our life and then go reproduce that as we follow mentors. And so what we're going to do here at City Life, because we are not going to take the bait that says it's all about sexy and it's all about show. It is all about you when you go home. It is all about you when you're in your workplace. It is all about you when you're with your family. And we want to equip you and empower you so that when the storms come, you can be rooted in him. So you don't have a false reality of who you think Jesus is or a perception and that you start to now change your perspective and you're drawing life from him. Because Satan loves to distract you. The evil one loves to pluck it out. But I believe that God is going to root you and that the journey's not done. And if you're here, you're here for a reason. See, the old master of this world, he promises instant gratification. That's why it feels so good for a moment. The drink feels so good for a moment. That relationship feels so good for a moment. And oh, that pack of sweetest, patch, you know, sweetest fish yesterday and Sour Patch Kids felt awesome for a moment for me. Does anybody else here like Sour Patch Kids? You do? They're my favorite candy. No one has to get me any, but I'm really, I want to eat more bananas this week. No one has to get me any of those either. They're actually cheaper than Sour Patch Kids. I want you to receive and grow this morning. Receive. Just as you received Christ Jesus, walk in him. Receive and grow this morning. It is a heart issue and condition. Satan is distorting and trying to disguise and get us led astray. He's a liar. Call it for what it is. Evil, call a spade for what it is. You know what's been producing the bad fruit in your life. It's time to like, let's, let's pull some roots out. Let's pull some roots out. So as we look to close, I would like maybe Marissa to come up here and play the ivory keys. Marissa is Tina's sister, in case you didn't know. Um, Tina's about to have a baby any minute, so we're praying. <laughs> You got an applause. Yes. If our lives are like a small plant and we start to grow, why do we go and 
plan our lives in the middle of a huge storm or in the middle of winter alone and expect to make it. When a baby's born, we don't take the baby and just throw it outside and say, good luck, little snapper. That's what we do all the time with Christians. Say, hey, it's cool. Some of you, you know, you've been walking with Jesus 10 years and you still don't have the right root system because you really never connected. You never really got rooted. That was the epidemic we saw and seen. And we first saw it in our own hearts that we needed more. We needed each other. We needed to take it very seriously because we all were babies and then we started to grow. We all were like little plants and we started to grow. And then the hand-raised experience, the moment switched to a movement. And then the question of the, when the storms hit, where will your roots grip? The answer was, our roots grip in Jesus. Because he won, he did everything. He overcame all sin, all temptation. We are righteous. We have his peace. We can sleep in the storm because he's our reward. There's a case study of a person in the Bible. His name's Peter. He walked with Jesus. And Peter's fascinating to me because Peter's really intense. So when the guards come to take Jesus, Peter cuts off one of the guards' ear. All right? One time he's even, he's kind of confronting Jesus like, Jesus, you can't go and die. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Like, this dude's an emotional guy, okay? And then when Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus even tells him beforehand, you're going to deny me. A storm's going to come, and you're going to give up for a moment here. And Peter's like, no, not me. No way. And then sure enough, Jesus, who doesn't lie, and he fulfills all prophecy, and everything he says comes true. Peter does it. And he's so discouraged. And you know what happened? He reverted back to his old life. Because when we mess up, we just want to go revert back to the comfort zone. What are you good at? What have you spent a lot of time at? Because change, it takes time. So for me, when I hit a storm, I wanted to revert back to my old life. I wanted to revert back to partying. I wanted to revert back to just going to play basketball. I'll just go to the gym. I'll just go try to go sell something. I'll just go try to make money. I'm going to revert back because this storm's too real. Because it took too long to change. But oh, what a lie. And the more I call it for what it is, the process started to work and new desires start to shape and take form. So the next storm when I hit, nah, we're not going back. We're going to weather the storm. We're going to root our lives in Jesus. Then we're going to move forward. And that's exactly what happens to Peter. Jesus shows up to him. Peter's probably super discouraged. Like I denied you. How in the world could I even continue to run with you? And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? And do you love me? And all three times, Peter answers, yes, yes, yes. But the last yes is so different, and the question's different. Because the first two times, Jesus has asked him, do you God love me? Do you God love me? And he's like, you know, like, well, what? Like, and he, Peter responds every time, like, I brotherly love you. Like, phileo is the Greek word. I brotherly love you. Yeah, like, what do you mean, agape love you? Like, yeah, you're, I brotherly, that's all I got, man. Like, I brotherly love you. And Jesus finally at the end says, okay, fine. Do you brotherly love me? And he says, yes. And then Jesus says, through you, I will build the church. I'll call you Peter like a rock. Because what happened in that moment, I believe, was like an exchange. It was an exchange where Peter started to recognize, all I got is brotherly love. And Jesus is like, you're right. 
but I'm going to work through you because I'm the agape love and I am going to be the one that leads you. And then Peter goes on and he starts preaching and he dominates and so intense that no matter what storm came, eventually he was crucified upside down. And some historians say that his wife went before him and the whole time he just kept yelling, remember Jesus, remember Jesus. That doesn't sound like the same guy, does it? Sounds like the guy that had glimpses of it though. The guy that walked out of the boat, walked on water just for a moment. Now he kept walking on water. And he still had some mistakes. One time he was teaching the gospel a little different, kind of being a separatist, and he got corrected still. But Peter is a beautiful case study of somebody who roots their life, not on their own merit or their own ability, but on God. So you can insert your name into that story. You can first glean and, and, and look at the person and the work of Jesus. And then secondly, look at the disciples and how they responded. And then at some point, you got to apply this and think, okay, well, how does this affect me in light of this truth? So the answer to all of this is to uproot your life and let Jesus grow you. Uproot your life and let Jesus grow you. And what takes place is an exchange your roots for Jesus's. That's what takes place. They say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. You know the second best time? Right now. The best time to start your spiritual journey was probably 20 years ago. Second best time? Right now. So here's what we're going to be doing. We've revised the Get Rooted Manual. We've revised the website. We got videos coming and teachings coming. And we're going to launch groups on Mother's Day because you can't have a family without a spiritual mom. And you need a mom around. And moms are such a giving of life. We wouldn't be here without moms. And so we are going to turn up the volume. More than little John, we're going to turn up the volume, go crazy for Jesus, and we're going to get rooted. We're going to get rooted. And it's going to start next week. So this week is an introduction. It's an introduction because I... I want us to examine our hearts and I want us to really think through this and, 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 and just marvel and say, wow, it's right. Why do I keep trying to look at the world? The world lies. It's just a disguise. It's just a decoy. It's just the distortion of the real dreams of how I come alive in Christ. To come alive. My dreams and my destinies are with Him. And you'll be able to say, I am rooted. And when the storms come, that doesn't have to be the outcome. Growth can. Jesus can. Let's pray. God, I pray that as this, uh, this has in, impacted me, this truth that it is more than a moment, it is more than just being a fan. It is about being a follower all the time, a disciple, rooted and built up in you, to walk and to look at everything in light of you, my life, my possessions, my family, it's all for your glory. And God, moments like these make it easy when we're here together. But when we go back out, we know we're going to face storms. And we thank you that you have promised to give us strength in the midst of them. May your will be done. God, we accept the challenge this morning to get rooted. We accept the challenge that we would look at our lives as constantly growing and something that needs to be attended to, that needs practice, that needs to experience your love daily 
It's going to be filled with tears and laughs and crying and shouting. Sometimes there might be a hole in the wall. But God, may you continue to drive and lead. Have it all. You are our source of life. We want to abide in you. And we rise. And we're going to walk. And we're going to run. And we're going to grow together. To change this city. To change the state. To change this nation. To change this world. And to be faithful for all the moments we have. God, there's people in this place that hurt. They hurt really bad. I pray that you would continue to soothe with ointment through your Holy Spirit with love and peace. We bring new joy, new happiness, that you would replace regret with possibility right now. You'd replace the thought of opposition right now with opportunity. You would shift it from, well, my strength is weak and I can't do this to, no, his strength is perfect and he did it. Thank you, Jesus, for your freedom. Thank you that we can grow and that we can live this life. And what a great time in spring here with great weather as we're intentional to not just look at what fruits we have, but what roots do we have? We commit and we submit to your lordship and your leadership along this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.